Welcome to the Center Ranch Church Weekly Podcast. We believe that faith comes by hearing the Word of God. Thanks so much for checking out the podcast. Here's this week's message. I don't know if, if you can identify trees or not. Some people are really good at identifying trees. They, they just know, you know, there's people that are like woodsmen. They've developed themselves. They can look at a tree and tell you what kind it is and even like what specific species it is. Like not only is that an oak, but it's a, you know, it's a pin oak or it's a, you know, Western red oak. Uh, I don't even know if that's a thing. You know, they, they know like the specific kind of tree. Some people are, are really good at it. I know some trees, um, but I, some people are just very good at identifying trees. At our house, we've got a couple little wood stoves like that fires in in the wintertime. I love having a fire going. And, and sometimes when I'm putting wood in the fire or I'm making a fire, uh, I'm already kind of feeling manly because I'm building a fire. <laughs> but sometimes I'll take a piece of wood and I'll ask my wife, you know what kind of wood this is? And we, we've, we've basically only got hickory and cherry and they're very easy to distinguish one from another. It just like makes me feel like more of a man you know what kind of wood this is? Because I can identify it between the two. And she'll usually be very polite and say, no, what kind of wood is it? You're looking at cherry. That's, that's, your, that's your standard hickory right there. It's a good burning wood. Put it in there. This kind of makes me feel, feel more, more manly. But some, some people, I mean, they can just identify all, all kinds of trees. They, they know by the bark. They, you know, I mean, you can tell a tree by what the wood looks like on the inside. They can tell by the, the leaves. They can tell by the shape. You know, you can walk through the woods, even when there's no leaves on the trees. And they'll just be calling out different, different kinds of trees. It's very impressive. And it's actually something that Jesus speaks on. He, he talks about the way to identify a tree, which is very interesting because when he says the way to identify a tree, he doesn't, he doesn't talk about the bark. He doesn't talk about what the wood looks like on the inside, how fibrous it is or any of those kinds of things. He doesn't talk about the leaves. But let me read to you from, from Luke chapter six, verse 44. Jesus says this, a tree is identified by its fruit. Figs are never gathered from thorn bushes and grapes are not picked from bramble bushes. Jesus is talking about tree, proper tree identification. And he says, he's an authority on the subject. Jesus says that a tree is identified by its fruit. Ultimately, what determines what kind of tree it is, is what? It, it's, it's fruit. So that means, that means it doesn't matter how what it looks like on the outside. It doesn't matter what kind of leaves it has. It doesn't matter what kind of bark is on the outside. If that thing is growing apples, what kind of tree is it? It's an, it's an app that ultimately that that's, you've got your, no, it looks like an oak, Jesus. It, it look, I mean, those are oak leaves. That's it, oak bark. It, it's growing apples. Jesus, I'm telling you, that's an apple tree. Nothing else, that, if it's growing apples, it, it's, an, it's an apple tree. So you, you could have a tree that, that looks like a lemon tree, it's got lemon leaves and lemon bark. You pull off a leaf, it even smells like, like citrus. If, if it's not growing lemons or it's growing something other than lemon, that despite what you might think by judging from outward appearance, that's not a lemon tree because Jesus says a tree is identified ultimately by its fruit. Yes. That's how you identify a tree. Then listen to what he says next. Verse 45 a good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart, 
And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. So it turns out that Jesus isn't just talking about dendrology. That's the study of trees. I looked that up. I wanted to impress you, but I'm too proud of myself, so I had to, I had to tell you. <laughs> so yeah, Jesus' ultimate, ultimate interest isn't just about trees. It turns out what he's really getting at is identifying people. He's not really concerned with people knowing oak, maple, hickory, that, that kind of stuff. What he's interested in is the proper way to identify a person and ultimately... Now, Beyond anything else, the way they smell, the way they look, ultimately, the way that you identify a person is their fruit, what they produce. That, that's what determines what kind of person you are, what kind of person I am. Everything else aside, what, what are you producing? That's what determines what you are. So I, I could tell you, I'm, I'm just a humble, you know, I'm just a humble hardworking, kind-hearted son of a gun. That's me. That's me in a nutshell. I mean, that pretty much describes me. And then you come and spend time with me. And despite what I claim and how I try to present myself, you spend a couple days with me and you, you see evidence what I'm producing. I, I'm not humble. I'm actually arrogant. He's proud the way he talks. He's, he's not kind-hearted. He's actually mean-spirited. And he's not hardworking. He's, he hasn't done anything. He's just lazy then it doesn't matter what I claim to be, how I try to posture and present myself. What, what am I actually, that, how, how am I living? What am I producing? That, that identifies. So it doesn't matter what you say about yourself. It doesn't matter what people say about you. Someone says you're just a, a greedy, angry pervert. Well, then they spend time with you and it turns out you're, you're generous. What, what comes out of you is generosity and you're, you're, you're actually very kind. And it, there's a purity about you. It doesn't matter what people say. What, what matters is what, what comes out of you. So in, in the body of Christ, what we actually are, what kind of people we are, according to Jesus, is it's what kind of fruit. So there's people here this morning who say, man, what kind of tree I am. I'm a, I'm, I love Jesus with all my heart. Uh, the, the kingdom of God comes first in my life. Okay, it's fine to say that. What are you producing? What, what kind of fruit? Is there fruit that backs that up? Because that, that's what identifies you is the fruit that you bear. There are some people in the body of Christ, not, not in this church, but what they actually produce, they, they're, they're, what kind of tree they are, they're, they're critical trees. They just criticize. It's like the nitpick and they're, they're the experts. They just criticize things. Some, some things, if you look by what actually comes out of them, they're just the kind of tree they are. They are complaining trees or they are excuse trees. That, that, that's, what they're, that's what their life produces. They, they can say whatever they want, but what, what are you producing? What is coming out of your life? A tree, a person is identified. This is the kind of person they are by the fruit that they bear. So if you say, I, I'd like, like to think of myself as a, a Christian tree. That's the kind of tree I am. Then you know what you need to produce? Christians. Um, the kind of tree I am, I am a disciple. You know what you need to be producing? Disciples. You're, you're identified by the kind of fruit, by the kind of fruit that you bear. This is a year 
for us to be fruitful, for us to be fruitful and to multiply, for us to be fruitful in our lives, for us to be fruitful as, as a church family, to be fruitful and multiply. And you know how fruit is formed? Fruit is formed when, when what is flowing on the inside doesn't just flow on the inside, it starts to produce something on the outside. That whatever's flowing on the inside of that apple tree, whatever, whatever's in there, it starts, to, it starts to produce and manifest something on the outside. And that lets you know, oh, it's, what's flowing on the inside is whatever's properly on the inside of, uh, of, a, of an apple tree. So it's good to have things flowing on the inside of us, but they can't just stay on the inside of us. It needs to break out into the world. There needs to be fruit. There needs to be manifestation of all of the good things that are on the inside of us, that there's good things on the inside of you. The spirit of God's on the inside of you, that we're, we're people of faith. We're people of righteousness and you're more than a conqueror. You, you are uh, anointed. You are gifted. That's all good, but there's a time, and this is the time for that not just to be dwelling and flowing on the inside, but to have fruit on the outside. The things of the spirit, the unseen realm, and thank God for it, it's not supposed to just remain in the unseen realm. It needs to manifest. That, that's what fruit is. When what is flowing on the inside, now someone can taste and see and understand that that's what kind of man that is. That's what kind of woman it is. That it's manifesting. Something is coming out of your life. Thank God for doctrine and principles and promises. I, I love those things. Those are important. It's great to have that on the inside, but we can't just be people that produce doctrines and principles and, and claim promises. There's got to be a manifestation. Now it's testimonies. We're, we're producing testimonies that verify. You heard a couple of them this morning. It's not just theoretical. It's not just in the invisible realm that you can see the promises of God being lived out in, in people's lives, that you can see the way we live, what our lives produce. This isn't just a book that there's testimonies that go along with those things. That's fruit. And we, this is a year for us to be fruitful and, and to multiply. We talked about it before that the Old Testament is pointing towards a kingdom that would come. It would be ruled by the Messiah, but it wasn't supposed to be just a kingdom that, that remained in people's hearts. It was supposed to be a kingdom that would break out and break through into the real world and people would actually be affected. That you could point to things and say, look, the kingdom of God has come. The kingdom of God is at hand. It wasn't just all theoretical and, and, and doctrinal. I gave you an example last time from, from the life of Jesus in Luke 11, verse 20. Jesus said this, if I cast out demons with the finger of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. Jesus didn't just teach doctrine that God is more powerful than demons. Hey, in the, in the kingdom, you know, God is, is greater. He's, he's, better. He's more powerful than demons. He said, if you see me actually do something with that power, then you know the kingdom of God has arrived. You're seeing the kingdom of God. He sent his disciples out, not, not just to talk about the goodness of God, not just to declare the kingdom, but to demonstrate the kingdom. Go cast out demons, lay your hands on the sick, see them recover and let people know the kingdom of God is, is at hand. That, that was fruit. It was multiplication. You could actually see and, and this morning, I just want to stir up. I believe the Holy Spirit wants to stir up a determination on the inside of us, uh, a dissatisfaction with a barren, fruitless life, uh, a hunger, a thirst. My life has to be fruitful. I've got to have manifestations. When I talk about how God is faithful, how he leads me, how he guides me, how, he, how he's my healer, how he's my provider, how the God is such a good God, I've got to have more than words and empty claims. This is a year where that's going to blossom in my life. There's going to be fruit that people can point 
point to and see a reality that all my claims aren't just empty. People need that. People need to see that there are, there are Christians that are actually living this thing out. It's got to be demonstrated. Listen to what it says in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 11. It says, and we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end. Listen to this, verse 12, that you do not become sluggish, that you do not become sluggish. The the New Living Translation translates it spiritually dull and indifferent. So he's talking about a way, we'll read the rest of the verse in a second, but he's talking about a way that you and I won't fall in to becoming spiritually dull, indifferent, sluggish. You know why he's, he's warning against that? Because it happens to people. People, people become sluggish spiritually. They become dull. It, it, it happens. That's why there's warnings in the Bible about against falling asleep, slumbering. You know what happens before you fall asleep? This, you get sluggish. You ever feel sluggish? Shoveled all that snow? I'm kind of sluggish. I think I might just sit down, just sit down for a minute. Next thing you know, you're, you're waking up, you got drool all over your face. Well, I don't, I don't know, I'm just feeling a little sluggish. You're on your way to falling asleep. People become sluggish. They become dull. They become spiritually indifferent. People outside the church, people that are lost, people that don't know Jesus, they're spiritually indifferent. They're, they're spiritually dull. They don't, they don't know. They're lost. That's why, why they're not in church. They, they got, they're sleeping in. They're hungover. They got... Better things to do. They're enjoying their day off, whatever. They're spiritually indifferent. It doesn't, it doesn't matter to them. There's people in the church that they, they can become dull and indifferent. The things of God just don't matter, just don't matter anymore. Try to endure. That was, that was a wonderful time of worship. Man, just sensed God's presence here so, so wonderfully. Amen? There are some people that just, you've got to be kidding me. This is like the fourth song. Spiritually indifferent. Instead of enjoying the presence of God, can we just get on with it? Right? They're spiritually dull. If, that, if that's you, it's, it's, a, it's a red flag. People in the body of Christ can become spiritually dull, indifferent. Talk about winning souls. Whatever. Right? So he's, he's telling us so that you don't fall into this category. This, this will help you. This will help people. It will help People in the church, it'll help people outside of the church not to be in that category that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. That through faith and patience, you've got to follow those, imitate those, follow those who through faith and patience do what? Proclaim the promises, talk about the promises, know that they've inherited, they've inherited the promises of God, that it's a reality in their lives. There's got to be some group of people that the Bible's pointing to and said, follow that guy, follow that lady. She's, she's inherited the promises of God. You can see it in their lives. We heard a testimony about a, a financial provision, the promises of God being inherited, not just, I, I know somewhere in this book, it talks about the blessing of God. No, some people being, I'm living it. It's happening in my life life, in my marriage, with 
with my kids, in my finances, in my business. I know the promises of God in my body, in my health. People that have inherited the promises of God. There needs to be people in our community that lost people can see. That was part of the testimony we heard. A business partner that didn't serve the Lord watched the blessing of God come on that business, and now he serves the Lord. That's exactly what we're talking about. That you follow those people that inherit the promises of God. This is a reality in our lives. Lost people being stirred. Man, that's what I'm looking for. I'm not looking for empty religion and a, a doctrinal creed. I want something real. They've got to see fruit. that It's manifesting, not just flowing on the inside, not just rolling around our minds. I know all this list of, of beliefs. That there's fruit in our lives. Be fruitful and, and multiply. People in the church need it so that they don't become sluggish and indifferent. Uh, if we take this verse to its fullest extent, if there's no one for us to follow, then we're all destined to become sluggish, spiritually dull, and indifferent. There's got to be some people that take this seriously enough, apply it, live it out, and stir other believers so we can advance, so that we can all be mature, people that have inherited the promises of God. Yes. The, the, the promises of God aren't just meant for pages. They're meant for lives. Yes. People need to inherit. Man, I'm walking in this. Follow those. Just determine right now in your heart, I'm going to be someone worth following. Man, people are going to be able to follow me when they watch my life. People that live around me, just make that determination on the inside. It's between you and the Lord. God, let this year be a year. People around me, it's impossible for them to become sluggish. My kids will never become sluggish because they're watching me inherit the promises of God. It'll be, it'll be too much of a reality for them to ever question whether God is real or not. Just, just make up your mind. I'm, I'm going to bear fruit. People will be able to see the reality of God in my life. I'm going to be fruitful. I'm going to multiply. I'm going to walk this thing out. The promises of God will be a reality in my life. That, that's possible. That's possible. This isn't like wishful thinking stuff. Let me read you from Genesis chapter 39. This, this is before the new covenant. This is before people could be filled, baptized with the Holy Spirit. Genesis chapter 39, story of, of Joseph. Joseph's the son of Jacob. His 11 brothers are jealous of him. They're going to kill him. You can read the previous chapter. Most of you are familiar, familiar with the story. Decide instead, of, instead of killing him out of their jealousy and hatred for him, they decide to, to cash in and, and sell him into slavery. Genesis chapter 39, verse 1, it says, Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, captain of the guard, an Egyptian, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him down there. The Lord was with Joseph, and he was a successful man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian, and his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand. It says that the Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph. Other translations connect that better than it, the way it comes across in the New King James Version. The New Living said the Lord was with Joseph, so he was successful. That there was direct results because as a result of God being with Joseph. He was with him. God was with Joseph. And so there was natural results that flowed out of that, that he succeeded. He prospered. Why was he successful in everything he did? Why did he prosper in everything that he did? Because God was with him. Yes. You, know, you know, God is with you. Yes. 
If you, if you know Jesus, God is with you. Well, I, it, must be, it must be different because I'm not seeing, I uh, can't describe my life like that. I'm successful in everything that I do. Uh, I prosper everything I put my hand to. Well, you've, you've got, in fact, an even better version of what he had, God being with you. But it takes, it takes a faith and an expectation that, that reality that God is with you. Let, let me read you from Hebrews chapter four. Hebrews chapter four, starting in verse one says, therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. For indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word which they heard did not profit. It didn't benefit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. It's, it this is talking about the gospel, right? Yeah. The gospel was preached to them. What, what's the Bible tell us about the gospel? It says that the, the gospel is the power of God. Yes. The gospel is the power of God contained in a, in a message. It's the power of God able to save to the uttermost. It's the, these people had received the, the power of God itself, but it was, it was a, of no benefit. It was of no value. It didn't, it didn't help them at all. They, they were told, hey, Jesus is the Savior. He died on the cross for your sins. You, you, you can have life through him and live eternal. Okay, and? It didn't, it didn't help them at all. Why? Because it wasn't, it wasn't mixed with faith. If the very power of God, the gospel message itself, can lay dormant and be ineffective, not benefit someone, then it's entirely possible that you could have men and women that God is with them, like he was with Joseph, but they're not seeing the same results because they're not mixing it with faith. God is with you. We just celebrated Christmas, Emmanuel. That, that, that's one of the names of Jesus. God, God is with you. Think about that. It was so important that you would know, you would know God is with you, that even though the angels went to great extents to let, let Mary and Joseph know, you've got to name this kid Jesus. I mean, think about Joseph. You tell me, I gotta, I gotta marry this woman that's pregnant, and I didn't do it. I, gotta be, I don't even get to name this kid. It, it was, you must name him Jesus. And then, as important as that was, they also added, and he'll be called Emmanuel. Why? Because he wants you to know Jesus is making a way for God to be with you. But he's, he's with you if you know him. He's with you if you've been filled with the Holy Spirit. The presence of God is on the inside of you, but you've got to mix it with faith, have an expectation. I know I'm carrying something on the inside of me. I have the presence of God on the inside of me. When I walk into this room, when I walk into this house, when I walk into this situation, it changes because I, I'm carrying a power, a force, a life. The very presence of God is on the inside of me. Apparently, that's the way Joseph thought and acted, and he saw results. It was mixed with faith, sold into slavery, yet everything he did prospered. He just continued to rise, rise to the top. And it says it over and over as you read through his story, because God was with him. He prospered, because God was with him. He succeeded. Well, God is with you. That should be the exact same story that we have, that you've got to mix it. Joseph knew, God, if I'm going in, my brothers are selling me into slavery, but I know you're with me. I know you're with me, God. Even my own family hates me. I know that you're with me. That knowledge, that faith, that expectation gets thrown into prison, wrongly accused. God, I, I know that you're still with me. I know that your hand is on my life. He rose to the top, ends up being second to Pharaoh himself. Why? Because he knew, he was confident in the presence that he carried. We, we've got to mix it with faith. You, you have the presence of God on the inside of you that will be of no benefit unless you mix it with faith. But when you mix it with faith, what happens? Your life starts producing fruit. People can see, people notice that you 
carry the presence of God. Listen to verse 3 again. And his master saw that the Lord was with him. This is a complete pagan, heathen man. And his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand. It, It wasn't Joseph kept talking about the promises of God, how he was hoping, how he was longing, how he was believing. There was fruit. There was fruit. His master could see it. Could see. He didn't hear about it. He saw, man, there, there's something. God is with this guy. There, there was a fruit to it. The Lord made all he did prosper. All he did. The Lord was making. God made him prosper. He made him prosper. You know, people that, that are anti-prosperity, you know, there's a lot of passages that have got to be very confusing for them. Because God seems to be working. <laughs> if he hates prosperity, I, I, I don't know what he's doing in Joseph's life. But it says that he made him. He ma- everything he did, he made it prosper. The Bible says the same thing about us. Psalm chapter 1, we meditate on the word of God. We're like trees planted by water that we bring forth fruit and we prosper in all, all that we do. Everything he did, that, that can be a reality in our lives. It should be a reality that you prosper in all things. What, what things are you involved in? That means you can prosper. It means to succeed, to be excellent at it. As a husband, as a wife, you can succeed. You, you, can, you can prosper in that role as a, as a spouse. You can prosper. You can succeed as a parent. Man, how am I going to raise these kids to serve God and to love him with all their heart? I mean, there's so much going on. You carry the presence of God. He can make you to succeed in all that you do as a businessman, as an employee, whatever your role, as you serve in the body of Christ, that you were not just going through the motions. We're doing it with a consciousness and a faith of the presence that you carry. You're going to succeed in everything that you do. Be fruitful and multiply that, that even people that don't know the Lord can see it, can see it. Here's one of my prayer points. I'll share with you. Just one of my personal ones. I'd love for you to make it one of yours as well. In your notebook or wherever you take notes from the Bible, have a page at the front, the back, somewhere where you're just writing down stuff that you're praying throughout the year. You can see happen as you go throughout the year. Here's one of mine. It's from from Genesis chapter 21 where Abimelech, another just heathen pagan person, comes to Abraham and says this, God is obviously with you, helping you in everything that you do. God is obviously with you. It's, it's obvious, guys. He's helping you in everything that you do. But my, my prayer point is that I would have multiple people say that to me this year. God, I want to hear that from someone more than once this year. God is obviously, now, not you. Some like people say that to me. I'm talking about people that don't know the Lord, people just watching from a distance to, to say, God is, I want to live at a level, live a life with such fruit. I have to go around telling people, God is obviously, he's obviously with you. He's helping you in everything that you do. You would hear that multiple times, multiple sources, people at work, neighbors, strangers. You got to tell me. I mean, God is obviously with you. He's helping you in, in all that you do. God wants to see you prosper in every area. Third John verse two. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. God, God wants us prospering, fruitful, as our soul prospers, you know how your soul prospers? To live for the kingdom, to live for the God. I love you with all my heart, Lord, my loyalty, my adoration. You're, you're my everything, God. I'm living for the kingdom. That's how your soul prospers, that you prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. God wants us fruitful, successful in all things. 
If you have your Bible, turn to John chapter 15. John chapter 15, this is where Jesus, we read from it last week, where Jesus says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. Jesus is the vine, we, we are branches, right? He's, he's giving this teaching, this illustration. Verse one, he says, I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. Well, that sounds nice, doesn't it? Jesus is the grapevine and his father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. That sounds less nice. He cuts off every branch that doesn't produce, that doesn't produce fruit. We, we talked a little bit about this before, that there is an expectation from Jesus that your life would be fruitful. Jesus curses the fig tree in Mark chapter 11. He goes to pick figs from it, there's no fruit, he curses it. In Luke chapter 13, he tells a, a parable about a man who has a tree in his garden, and for three years, it didn't bear any fruit, so he tells the gardener, cut this thing down. Cut it down. It's, it's, not producing, it's not producing fruit. There's an expectation that our lives would be fruitful, and it's important that our lives are fruitful. And sometimes we can comfort people in their stagnation and just talk about the mercy of God. And God is merciful, but sometimes we can do people a disservice by not letting them know there's an expectation that your life is going to be productive. Amen. It, it hurts people for them not to realize, man, there's an expectation on my life. If I'm joined up to this vine, you know, we, we talked about it in the old Testament with Onan and, and Tamar when, when he was supposed to give offspring because that woman's husband had died. And it says he continued to have sex with her, but then he, he spilled his seed on the ground. God cursed him. God killed him because he just wanted to enjoy the environment, but not be productive, not produce any fruit. That, that's the way people are in the body of Christ, people in, in the church. I just want to enjoy the environment. I just want to come and have a nice place for my kids to get taught. And they, they don't take serious. Man, I'm here to bear fruit. Jesus said, I chose you because you're so cute. I chose you. You are so talented. I, cho I chose you that you would bear fruit. That, that's why you're chosen. There's an expectation. So here it says that the branches that aren't fruitful, they are cut off. Some people will try to soften that and say, well, actually it means to be lifted up. It means that he'll, he'll care for them and give them that. You continue reading later on, those branches get burned. So you, you can only soften that blow for so long before you, and those branches aren't getting burned while they're being propped up and still attached to the vine. There's no getting around. There's an expectation that our lives would be fruitful. Yes. Yes. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more fruit. That's what I want to focus on for just the next couple of minutes. He prunes them so they'll bear even more fruit. Yes. He prunes them. If you've ever pruned anything, not that you have to have personal experience to understand the word, but when you prune something, what, what are you doing? You're, you're cutting, you're, you're removing. There's things that have to go. In order for this to bear fruit, to bear more fruit, there are some things that I need to get rid of to provide for this to be more fruitful. <clears throat> He's talking about our lives. That if my life isn't fruitful the way that it should be, there's probably some things in my life that, that need to be cut out. 
There's some things I need to make some changes. Some things need to be eliminated. That's what pruning is. For the sake of fruitfulness, I'm not doing that anymore. This is out of my life. Listen to this passage from 2 Timothy. Excuse me. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3. He says, You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. He's talking about a mindset that we have to have. You've got to endure hardship like what? Like a good soldier, like a soldier for Jesus, that we can please the one who enlisted us, that we, we're soldiers in the body of Christ. This, this is a, an aspect of being a Christian that uh, I feel like used to be emphasized more. You don't hear about it anymore. We're, we're the Lord's army. There's kind of a brutality to that. There's a, there's a mindset that can be missing in the modern church. It's not, you've got to have a, a soldier mindset. I'll, I'll endure hardship. I'm a soldier for Jesus. I used to sing that song, I'm in the Lord's Army. I used to have little motions to it, sing it to my kids when they're growing up. I may never march in the, right? Anybody? Ride in the cavalry, shoot the artillery. I may never fly over the enemy. I'm in the Lord. I mean, it taught us from when we were a kid. Yeah. But you taught it from, from a child. I mean, people just, yeah, start saluting, straightening up in their seat. Because there's a different mentality when you start, I mean, I'm in an army. I'm, I'm a soldier in the army, uh, in the army of God. And he tells us, you've got to have a mindset, a soldier mindset serving the Lord. There's a hardness. There's an intensity. The church has allowed itself to get very soft, not willing to endure any hardship. It's all about, it's just comfort. God wants to bless you, but he blesses good soldiers. Ones that, that, that take the mission seriously. It's for the kingdom, for the kingdom. You, you've got to be willing to endure hardship like a good soldier for Jesus. And then he elaborates on what exactly does it mean, hardship. What kind of hardship is he talking about? Listen to what he says next. Next. No one entangled in warfare, or I'm sorry, no one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. So he elaborates, and there's one particular aspect of hardship that he zeroes in on that there are certain things in life you can't entangle yourself with. If it hinders, if it hinders your ability to be focused on the mission, if it hinders your ability to get the job done, if it hinders your ability to do what the, the one who enlisted you, Jesus, if it hinders you from being effective, you know what it means? I got to lose that. I got to cut it out. I got to stop that. The hardship, the hardship that he's talking about specifically, there's different aspects, but the one he takes the time to say, okay, th th this is the hardship I mean here. The hardship of saying, I'm not doing that. I'm not going there. I'm not going to be able to be involved in that. Eliminating things. I can't get myself entangled because that's going to cut in on my effectiveness for, for the kingdom. I love soccer. I can't be involved in soccer. It's going to, it's going to hinder my ability in the kingdom. It's, it's a hard, it, it hurts to say no to things that you love. It's easy to say no to things you don't want to do. It's a hardship to say, you know what? I, I can't go there. I can't be involved in that. If it's, going, if it's going to cut in on my effectiveness in the kingdom, I've got, I'm sorry, I can't do it. I'd love to, I can't. The, our, our mission, our focus, and the number one objective 
of the one who enlisted us. We talked about it last week. The, no, the number one thing is harvesting souls for the kingdom. So if it hinders me in any way, it's something that needs pruned. It's a hardship I've got to endure to say, I, I, that's got to go. I've got to trim that out of my life because I'm supposed to be busy bringing people into the kingdom of God, focused on more disciples, better disciples, more disciples, better disciples. There's things that are perfectly justifiable, wonderful things, things that, that are enjoyable. There's nothing wrong with them, but if they hinder you, they keep you from, from, from doing what God has called you to do. They need to be pruned out, cut away so you can focus on, on the mission. You, we've got a job to do here. We're not supposed to set up shop and kind of nest on this earth like we're going to be here forever. You're going to be out of here before you know it. And we're going to step into eternity and then we'll be able to enjoy or not enjoy the, the fruit that we produced in this life. You, we've got to have a soldier mentality. Things need to go. It, it's not just bad things. It's, it's, it's th things that need pruned, hardship. I, I can't do that. I can't be there. I'm, I'm sorry. I can't. I can't participate the way you want me to participate. I've got a higher calling. I'm on a mission here. I'm a soldier. You know, when, when the Israelites were getting ready to leave Egypt, you know, Moses comes and he's, he's leading the plagues and he's talking to Pharaoh, let my people go. And there's a series of plagues that kind of culminate in the Passover when the death angel comes and he, he gives them instructions about celebrating the Passover and how they're going to leave and all those kinds of things. And, and one of the things he told them to do was when they make bread for the Passover, that there wasn't supposed to be any yeast in it. No yeast in the bread, specifically. Now, is yeast bad? Is yeast evil? It's because there's a wickedness of yeast. Don't you ever touch it? No, it's, it's not because yeast is evil and some terrible thing that's supposed to be avoided. It, Jesus even uses yeast as an illustration for the kingdom of God. How the kingdom of God, how can I illustrate? It's like a little bit of yeast put in a lump of dough. So if it was some wicked thing in and of itself, Jesus wouldn't be comparing it to the kingdom of God, using it as an illustration, right? If it was just wicked, like Oh, the kingdom of God's like crack cocaine. When you, he, he, he's, not, he's not taking sinful, wicked things and using it to illustrate the kingdom. So the fact that he uses yeast as an illustration, it's, it, it's, not, it's not wicked in and of, its, in and of itself. So why, why no yeast? Why, why did he specifically tell them? When it comes to the ingredient list, no, no least, yeast. Listen to what it says in, in Exodus chapter 12. For bread, they baked flat cakes from the dough without yeast they had brought from Egypt. It was made without yeast because the people were driven out of Egypt in such a hurry that they had no time to prepare the bread or other food. But why no yeast? There wasn't time. There's no time for that. We don't have time for that. There are certain things that need to be eliminated from your life because if you want to stay on God's timeline, if you want to stay in step with what he's doing, if you want to stay in line with his plan, you don't have time for that. You just simply, it's not because it's bad. It's not because it's wicked. It's not because it's some horrible thing. It's like yeast, something you just don't have. If you're going to be serious about serving the Lord, it's going to affect the way that you use your time and some things you just don't have time for so you can be developing yourself and be fruitful, be fruitful for, for the kingdom of, of God. 
You know, our, our vision right now for a church is to see our church grow to 1,000 strong. For this body of believers on Sundays, we, we want to hit that and move past that. We see it illustrated in the hallway, illustrated in the bathrooms. Hopefully it's not just on the wall. Let, let, let it get in your heart. A vision is to see the kingdom of God grow. More people become a part of the body of Christ. There's those numbers illustrating. You heard it referenced in the Connect Group video. A hundred groups, so there's families within the family. Ten is every person tithing so that God has their heart. The church will be well-funded. And the one is that each one of us would have that heart. One more, one more. I'm not, I'm not satisfied. My life needs to be fruitful. One more for the kingdom. I need, to be, I need to be winning someone to the kingdom, to the kingdom of God. Who is in the kingdom because of you? Who, who is part of the church? Who's part of the body because of you? It's fruit that you've borne. And I'm not talking about somebody you coaxed to leave another church and come to our church. I'm talking about people that are lost and on their way to hell that we're bringing into the kingdom. Can you look around this room and say, that, that family's here because I led them to the Lord? Is there someone you can point to and say, man, I won that lady. She's here because I led her to the Lord. Is, is there fruit to your account? We could hit a thousand quickly if we all just start bearing fruit at a, at a more rapid rate. If we get serious about being fruitful for the kingdom of God, who, who can you point to? And if there's no one you can point to, you look around the room, it's like, man, I there's no one here that's part of the body, part of the church, because I, I brought them into the kingdom. There's probably some things that need to be pruned. There's some things you don't have time for, so you can get serious about the mission. You can take it seriously and not just be some side thing. You know, that, that's what the church is. The, the real church is not just people that meet in a building. It's people that understand Jesus is king. He's Lord and Savior. So it's, it's not people that have a, a loose association with religious things. It's people understand he's, he's king, he's master. So if you want to be a part of the kingdom, but then not do anything the king wants, you're, you're a rebel. You're living in open rebellion. Instead of taking the mission, I, I'm, I'm doing whatever I can to please the one who enlisted me, like a good, not just a soldier, a good soldier, a good soldier. If you have born fruit, you can look around this room and you can say, they're here because I want them to the Lord. That family's here because I want them to the Lord. I led that man to Jesus. Praise God. But you know what? Pruned for even greater fruitfulness. Let, let's win more people to the kingdom. It, it, the instruction wasn't to have born fruit, right? It's to be fruitful. Be fruitful. Continuous. And when you bear fruit, work on becoming even more fruitful. That there's no plateau. There, there's, no, there's no limit. It's always higher up and further in, more fruitful in the kingdom of God. That we've got to be passionate about the one who, what the one who enlisted us is passionate about. A desire, a determination. Oh, I'm going to be so fruitful. It's going to be born out in my life. I'm going to bring people into the kingdom. People are going to see the promises of God lived out in my life. There's got to be a passion, a zeal, and you've got to stir yourself up to get passion. Let, let, let me read one more passage of scripture, then, then we'll pray. Luke chapter 16. You know, I, I've shared before about David Wilkerson, who started Teen Challenge. You, you read that story, I think it's in the cross and the switchblade. The, the way that that started was he decided he was going to stop watching so much TV. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to take time. Instead of watching so much TV, I'm going to trim back a few shows and spend some time with the Lord every evening. Take 30 minutes, miss an episode, just spend time with the Lord. That, that, that's what was pruned to give room to the Lord, to speak to his heart and start this incredible ministry. Millions of lives changed because of it. Because someone's willing to prune. Is there anything evil about TV? No. 
Unless it, unless it takes you off mission, because your, your mission isn't to make sure that you've seen the entire season of whatever show it is. That, that's not our purpose. You can enjoy it on the side to prune, so we be passionate about what Jesus is passionate about. Listen to the story Jesus tells in Luke chapter 16, starting in verse 19. Jesus said there was a certain rich man who was splendidly clothed in purple and fine linen and who lived each day in luxury. At his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus who was covered with sores. As Lazarus lay there longing for scraps from the rich man's table, the dogs would come and lick his open sores. Gross. Verse 22. Finally, the poor man died and was carried by angels to sit beside Abraham at the heavenly banquet. The rich man also died and was buried, and he went to the place of the dead. There in torment, he saw Abraham in the far distance with Lazarus at his side. The rich man shouted, Father Abraham, have some pity. Send Lazarus over here to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. I am in anguish in these flames. But Abraham said to him, Son, remember that during your lifetime you had everything you wanted and Lazarus had nothing. So now he is here being comforted and you are in anguish. And besides, there is a great chasm separating us. No one can cross no one can cross over to you from here and no one can cross over to us from there. Then the rich man said, please, Father Abraham, at least send him to my father's home for I have five brothers and I want him to warn them so they don't end up in this place of torment. He's crying out, send someone to tell them they don't have to end up here. Now, this is a man, obviously, who doesn't know Jesus. He's in hell, he's in torment. So does he have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of him? No, there's, there's no Holy Spirit. He's not serving Jesus. He's, he's in hell. But he's calling out. There's got to be someone to go and tell people. They don't have to be here. Send someone. Let someone go and tell them. Tell them about Jesus. Tell them there's a Savior. Now, there's no way in the world that someone who's in hell, that doesn't know Jesus, that doesn't have the Holy Spirit, who isn't a part of the kingdom of God, that they should be more passionate than we are about people hearing the good news when we're a part of the kingdom of God, when we have God's Holy Spirit, when Jesus is alive on the inside of us. Some person in hell shouldn't be more excited about people hearing the gospel than you and me. We, we shouldn't let this man in anguish care more about souls. There shouldn't be more love and compassion in the pits of hell than there is in the hearts of men and women of God. That we, we got to stir up a desire. People need to hear. It matters. Hell is real. Hell is forever. People are going there. People are there. And there's people there that are passionate. People need to hear about Jesus. Won't somebody go? And then so many Christians say, I mean, I'm, I'm really busy. I got a lot going on. But what needs to be pruned out of your life? Maybe it's pride. Maybe it's just busyness. But what needs to be pruned so you can bear fruit? What's crowding out a passion for the kingdom? That I can be busy doing what the one who enlisted me wants me to do. I'm on a mission to advance the kingdom, to live my life for the kingdom of God. You're going to be fruitful in Jesus' name. You're going to multiply in Jesus' name. It's on the inside of you. Jesus is on the inside of you. You're filled with his spirit. Let, let him bear fruit. Let, let there be a manifestation, a, 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 an expression of that love, an expression of that life that's on the inside of you. Get rid of any excuse that would keep you from being fruitful. 
I'm, I'm shy, I'm bashful, uh, these people don't want to hear. Get rid of every excuse. The Bible says if God is for you, who can be against you? You know, God is for you winning souls. He's very much in favor of that. God is for you. Who can be against you? Uh, Steve at work's always telling me to shut. Steve can't stop you. If God is for you, who can be against you? The, the, the government, whatever force is trying to keep us quiet, trying to prevent you, internal, external, if God is for you, and he is, who, who can be against you? The answer to that question is no, nobody. I mean, it's a ridiculous thing. I mean, if God's for me, then I'm going to prosper in all that I do. The, the greater one lives on the inside of you. Be fruitful. Bear, bear fruit. You carry the presence of God. Bear, bear fruit. Let this be a year where that presence, that truth, some of you know more of the Bible than I do. Let, let it manifest in your life that people could follow you to follow those who have inherited the promises of God, that we're walking in it, that's being expressed in our lives. People are just following along because of the sweetness of the presence that you carry. People are going to prosper. They're going to succeed this year. Success is coming into people's lives. Just, just make up your mind. It's going to be me. It's going to be me. How does it, how does, how do you qualify? I'm going to live my, this year, Lord, for the kingdom like never before. Prune out any other desire. Like yeast, I, I don't have time for it. I'm, I'm a kingdom man. I'm a kingdom woman. That, that's what I'm focused on. Attach everything in your life to the kingdom. P people, success, fruitfulness, prospering, moving forward. It's coming to people financially, spiritually, emotionally, in their businesses, in their families, people are going to be fruitful and they're going to multiply. Our church is going to be fruitful. It's going to, it's going to multiply. Praise you, Lord Jesus. And the, the, Joseph, because God was with him, the, the greater one lives on the inside of you. We've got what Joseph had, but even better. You're the temple of the Holy Spirit. God is obviously with you, helping you succeed in all you do. God is obviously with you. God is obviously with you, helping you succeed in all that you do. Let that be said about you multiple times this year. God's obviously with you. You gotta tell me. God, God is obviously, he helps you in everything, everything that you do. God, God is obviously with you. Well, that's this week's message. Thanks for joining us. To stay connected with us throughout the week, make sure you follow us on Instagram and Facebook. You can also watch previous week's services on our YouTube page.